Welcome to Pop On Leadership, a conversation with two friends who are obsessed with leadership development and the world of pop culture. So we decided to combine the two. I'm Kara Kirby. And I'm Virginia Martinez. We work with organizations all over the world to inspire and implement people-first practices. We're here to talk about navigating the workplace, and we do it through the lens of great television. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. This is Virginia. Before we jump into today's episode, we just want to let you know that we recorded Season 3, Episode 7 on August 29th. Yep, I know, a couple months back. But the reason we share that is because we talk about a number of things, but we also specifically talk about what is the responsibility of a team leader or leadership at an organization in moments where the world feels like it's being turned upside down and your employees might be angry, scared, feeling things very personally, and even divided on some topics. Given that we recorded that in August and we're ready to release here in early November, we could have never imagined what we would be living through in this moment. And given that we didn't give that topic the right level of intentionality that it deserves in this moment, we decided to tack on a few extra minutes at the end to talk to our friend Jen Casimiro and ask her what advice she would give companies or what advice has she given companies in moments like this. We hope you enjoy the episode and you stick around to the end to hear that chat with Jen. Thanks. Uh, you know whose birthday it is today? Who? Who's the president of our fan club? <gasps> oh, we need to do a special shout out to her. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Liz. We usually release these episodes weeks, sometimes months after we record them. But today, the day we are recording is Liz Martin, my sister-in-law. Wonderful, talented, beautiful, just great auntie, sister, sister-in-law, daughter, everything all around. And uh, yeah, today's her birthday. And she's a big fan of ours. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Liz, for everything that you do. We appreciate yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so we are going to talk about Season 3, Episode 7, but again, as I just mentioned, we sometimes release these episodes weeks, if not months, after we record them, and what some folks don't know is that um, we took a break over the summer, right, because we've got our kids home from school and you know where we're, our travel schedules were all over the place and gosh darn it we we deserve downtime too <laughs> <laughs> but you had asked me right before we started recording that um what have I watched or what am I watching because it's funny because we talk about this all the time but the listeners don't get to hear this part of our yabbering because it's usually just phone calls or texts and we just get right down to business when we hit record but like Ted Lasso <laughs> yeah but I thought I, I was like why don't we hit record sooner and let <laughs> we're gonna get angry letters from our um two <laughs> listeners um why don't we change things up and talk about what we're watching or what we have watched you start you start 
Okay, so just for this summer, I my favorite shows have been this show called Platonic, mm-hmm. which is a show about that about with Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, and they're they have like this friendship. They were best friends, and they get back together. So that has been my my husband and I were talking about it that we think that it is one of the best comedies that has been released in a very long time. Like we were dying laughing, yeah, the entire time. And I am a ve- I'm an easy laugh. Like if you know me, I'm an easy laugh. I laugh at most things, but I'm not that easy of a laugh sometimes when it comes to TV shows. So my recommendations matter. <laughs> Okay, so you're an easy laugh then when? Like in real life or movies or? Yeah, I don't know why. No, I'm a I'm an easy laugh with people. Yeah. Like in conversations and maybe it's the people pleaser I was going to but... say. Is that why you laugh at all my yeah. jokes? Is that? <laughs> no. Uh, like in the moment, I love laughing at people and I do think things are like so funny. But when I go... When, I, when I'm watching TV or it's a comedy show, I think it's because I'm such a comedy connoisseur. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and, I, and I really love good comedy writing. Yeah. That I'm, I'm a little bit more particular when it's an art form. Yeah, I think, I think Platon, I'm, not, I'm only halfway through the season. I think it's great. I love it. Um, I did not watch a ton of TV over the summer. However, I did read a lot, so I'm proud of myself there. But I... The second I landed back in the U.S., my TV habits, like, went back. <laughs> I had a Big Mac and watched TV. No, I, don't, I did not have a Big Mac, but I did watch TV. <laughs> so the first thing I binged was The Bear, season two. Ooh, we're going to do an episode on that, too. Absolutely. That was excellent. Um, it's not quite a guilty pleasure, but I think I'm, like, not the intended audience for this. I watched, um, I also binged the fourth and final season of never have i ever oh yeah i watched that too i love that show yeah no that i i think that show is wonderful we love it i'm a huge mindy kaling fan and i love that um because it's it feels very like the high school version and then there's sex life of college girls that's a slightly more grown-up version of but i like that these girls are and women um are flawed in ways that they don't usually flaw like in a in a realistic deep you know complex way that they're managing things it's not just like i like a boy and now i'm jealous it's like much deeper well written very funny yeah um i restarted what what we do in the shadows have you ever watched that um yeah i did watch that a little bit i really um, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I will say that scene about the energy vampire is one of my favorite things to allude to with work conversations. Yeah, yeah it's great. For those who don't know, so what we do in the shadows was a movie, which funny enough, I haven't watched, but the, the TV show, I think it might be season four or five. Um, anyway, it's about a... <laughs> I, it's not called a coven of vampires because it's a coven of witches, but they live in Staten Island, New York, and they've been there for centuries. And what is a group of vampires? <laughs> yeah, we have a parliament of owls, coven of witches, <laughs> uh, a pot of dolphins. I don't. What do we call a group of vampires? <laughs> but anyway, and then there, um, there are some more like traditional vampires right and then there's um an energy vampire who can actually go out throughout the day his name is colin robinson and so he takes on different like office jobs and um in this season he's a waiter at like 
not the Cheesecake Factory, but like a, you know, a knockoff meant to be. The, and it's hilarious. It's just like, <laughs> you know, people like this. Anyway, I love that. But I have a long, long list. What's on your list? What have you not watched yet that you want to watch? <laughs> I don't, I live with a entertainment curator. So my husband's favorite thing to do is to research TV and what's coming up. And then I don't have to make any decisions because he knows exactly what I like. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Exactly what's coming up. And so we have like a cue ready, but I am excited about the, oh my gosh, I can't think of it. It's on Apple TV about the news team. Oh, morning show. Morning show. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love morning show. Okay. Yeah. I love that's that coming show, out. So I'm excited about that coming back up. Okay. I have a super long list, but I'm just going to call out a couple. Oh, I love the righteous gemstones. Gotta watch. Oh, I watched. Oh my God. I should have. I, that was next on my list. It's the app. Judy gemstone is my <laughs> favorite character. <laughs> has ever existed like <laughs> i am completely like yesterday i went down like a tiktok hole of just watching her videos like i'm obsessed yes she could have zero speaking lines and if all she did with her facial expressions she could still win an emmy i mean like it's just um she's hilarious okay and then um the most recent season of only murders in the building is queued up as well we got to get through that um, a bunch of new things. We got to finish Barry, but a couple of things that were put on my list. Oh, oh, a couple of things that have been put on my list that I started that I wouldn't have put on on myself by myself. Jury duty. Have you heard of the show? I have heard people are obsessed with it, but I haven't watched it yet. I need to put it on my Do you know list. The, so the premise is, um, I think you can find it on, on prime, but, um, it's like, you know, you remember like the, um, Truman show or like basically everyone's in on it it's a tv show except one person Mm -hmm. doesn't know so it's like this guy gets called in for jury duty and gets put on the jury but every single person around him the bailiff all the other jurors the judge every single person is an actor and amazing improv i don't even know how they maintain it apparently the um they taped or recorded you know for three weeks because they end up getting sequestered i don't want to give it away it's not like roll on the floor funny but it is um it's somewhere between it's like awkward like does it is it that weird feeling where you just like have i was no i was gonna say at least for me like i have a pretty high threshold for awkward like i love curb your enthusiasm and like i and me (laughs) (laughs) and i you don't make me cringe so therefore i've i've um no, no, but I would say it's like somewhere like safely, like it's nowhere near as awkward as Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's nowhere near like Roll on the Floor funny as like I don't know Righteous Gemstones, but it's like a, like a little always like you're kind of like awkwardly laughing quietly the whole time, and it's um easy TV to have in the background. I know that sounds mean, like that sounds like a, a ding, but listen, if I can have the TV on while I'm doing something else, it's a compliment. <laughs> um yeah so many things but um yeah and then if anyone has shows that they want us to watch that i mean i'll keep adding them to my list my other big recommendation from this summer is silo what is that i've never even heard of this show oh my god it's so good my husband had to like force me to watch it and then i got into it and i was completely obsessed which is a lot of things 
um, from my entertainment curator. It's the it's about it's in the future. Something happened where the earth isn't livable anymore. So everyone lives in a silo. So they live in this underground containment. Yeah. And there's conspiracy theories and it's like real futuristic and the character development's really good. It's just, yeah. Okay. It's, sometimes I get depressed you know, with those kind of shows. Because it's like right, two, where, like, is this post-apocalyptic or is this a documentary? Yeah, like post-apocalyptic gets me down sometimes. Like, I wish they would just make one show where, like, it's not really dusty and sad and depressing, right? Like, we might, fig- we might as a human species, actually figure it out and not, like, want to murder each other all the time, right? Like, that's my hope. Uh, w- one would hope. Yeah, a hope. One would hope. But we are we are trending. I mean, I hope that you know. I, I I hope I don't know. Like, I hope my kids or grandkids or great grandkids don't see it. I hope it's very far into the future. But yeah, we are trending in that direction. We are trending to be dusty, violent assholes. Yeah. Ugh, I know, but I just I don't know. I just don't want it to be that way. Like, I I feel like this generation that's coming up is going to be so much. Like, I feel like we're so much better than our parents. Our parents were so much better than their parents. This generation coming up, ex- I don't know. I don't. I just ha- I have to hope, or else I get sad. No, yeah, you gotta hold. You gotta hold on hope. Um. <laughs> okay. All right. Should we get back into it to talk about our beloved Ted Lasso? Yes, let's do so it. So this is it's time for Ted Lasso. Season three, episode seven, The Strings That Bind Us. Speaking of our number one fan, Liz, she was like, I can't wait until you talk about the episode with the strings <laughs> that are attached to everyone's private parts. I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, I'm sure we will. We will <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, here we are. I want to say to the season three, you and I have said this too, that like, it wasn't until about this point, which is halfway in the season that were like all right all right here we are this is the ted lasso i know and love like we got off to a little bit of a kind of there were like moments in each episode that were gems but there was no like real episode that was a gem until the last one in Mm -hmm. amsterdam right that the last one and then this one i was like okay it's keeping up this momentum i thought this one was really nice too and i remember being really excited and kind of changing my tune on this season once uh six and seven came out but anyway here's here's what's going on at at a high level or unless you want to do it you want me to recap or no okay well i'm just i I can't i can't i can't i cannot go after your recap so like the best (laughs) (laughs) no pressure but it's the best thing in the world no yeah well it opens up with the cranberries song (laughs) um no actually i did i did write that down i wrote a note of that because um oh my gosh i'm jumping around everywhere another show that i didn't watch this summer but watched in previous years but when this episode started with the cranberry song i was immediately transported to dairy girls (laughs) have you seen that okay we'll talk about it later oh my gosh so good you're gonna have to watch it with subtitles but anyway um it's so it's so good it's oh my god you're gonna love it okay opens up we find out that jamie and roy are still training right they're they're still at it um there's a couple of things that happen in sort of the backdrop of this episode. The term love bombing is introduced. Uh, Jack is just wooing Keely in a way that's like so over the top. A first edition Jane Austen of Sense and Sensibility, like an office full of daisies paying for like a super expensive dinner. 
um it just and it's like it's like too, it, it's like lovely but it's too much and rebecca says hey be careful she's love bombing you you know rupert did the same thing to me um we'll talk about that um there's also this thing that's going on in sam's got the restaurant and he walks in and the kitchen staff is really angry there's a politician that's um not letting refugees in and most of sam's staff is from nigeria or you know not maybe or born in of nigerian descent in 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 britain and um so he takes to twitter and writes this really polite sort of response to it and he gets into this twitter feud with this politician and then others get involved and they vandalize his restaurant right and there's that that line that we've heard here in the united states i think was about lebron james like just shut up and dribble so they say the same thing to sam just shut up and dribble stay out of politics um and he's heartbroken i mean they totally destroyed his restaurant um and this really breaks his heart because his dad is coming to visit um let's see what else is going on here oh and of course how we get to the strings on their penises is (laughs) that after ted has this hallucination which was not a hallucination it was just like a barbecue sauce induced you know vision of quote-unquote total football which already existed it's time to introduce it to the team i mean they know what it is but it's time to tell them Hey everybody! Guess what? We're we're moving over to total football, so we have to learn a whole new way of playing. So that's what we got. What stood out to you in this episode? You know, before we get started, I was watching this interview of the writers the other day, and they were saying that if season one was about like Ted Lasso and like the coaching style, yeah, season two was about the team and season three was about life. Mm. And I was like, that's, it almost makes you respect this, this season a little more of being like, yeah, it is clunky and slow moving and confusing and a little bit depressing at times. Yeah. Because that's what it's supposed to be inside yeah. of this episode because it's because it's life. So I think the first thing that we need to talk about is our girl Keely and Jack. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting here is so she's Keely's essentially dating her boss or her investor yeah i mean she's dating her boss so there's this whole thing around like workplace relationships and keely didn't know it was right and she thought she had to hide it and then you know um jack makes this really public announcement in the office um and was like it's not a big deal we're both consenting adults i was like i figured you and i would talk about workplace relationships that's I, yeah, I just, I, I, it, workplace relationships are one thing, but I, I think that like what just like what stood out to me on this is that, is that people can be so susceptible to it, right? Like, it's just that, that whole environment of like what Jack is doing with Keely. And I think that they're trying to make a point of it in the show is that you just have to be, you have to be like really careful of that behavior because even the viewer you're watching Jack. And I think I've already said this, but I think it's really cool that they made her a woman because we, because a lot of times people experience 
that like with a man, like those big gestures and like all the flowers in the media, we see that with a male and a female. And so it was, it was interesting to see it as Jack, because I feel like as the viewer, I experienced what she was doing in a different way with all, with all of those grand gestures. But yeah, like I just, I I think it's cool that they, they did that because in, and just in life, since this, this season is about life, you have to be very careful. Like whether it's an organization, whether it's a person that comes on too fast, is love bombing, it, you just have to be really, really careful of that behaviors because people could get really sucked into it and it's ne- it never goes to a good place. So let, let's talk about that sort of how, how it translates when a company or a manager might be love bombing you. Like what, how might it show up in the workplace, right? And I definitely want to talk about workplace relationships and in our opinion, <laughs> <laughs> do people know that I met Bill, my husband at work? But anyway, um, <laughs> No, workplace relationships, I actually think are fine. Um, in my last company, like a lot of people actually ended up getting married because they would meet at work. And it was a, I don't recommend this, but it was kind of interesting to see the difference because most, most workplaces are so against nepotism and, and, and we, we were like, not that we were okay with it, but it was like, it's okay if your spouse works here, or it's okay if you have children that work here, because it was such a healthy environment that like, you wanted the people that you love to come work there, because then they would also be happy in their work. And then they would be happy in Mm -hmm. their lives, right? Like those things go hand in hand. Um, But I always, I always thought it was really interesting because I, because our recruiting team would find really good people whose hearts were in the right place, who were, you know, they were intelligent, obviously, because they could get a job at this really good tech company. And then you had, and it was almost like the best dating pool ever if you were single, (laughs) because they got through the recruiting, right? Like, it's like you already got through the most intensive screening of a human that you could get through. And now all these people who have been through that intensive screening are just here together. Like, why wouldn't these people date? Because they're all wonderful. Yes, yes. To be clear, let's just make some some caveats. We are against... (laughs) Not... Not advice. Not a good advice. <laughs> no, no. We are against workplace uh, uh, harassment or uh, unwanted yeah. unwanted advancements. However, um, uh, my my take on this was going to be slightly different. I think it's uh, the reason we see so many workplace relationships, and maybe not in the case of your company that you just really have such a special place in your heart for. But I think it's because there we work so much to the point where we you know i always love to quote uh bowling alone but that our workplace became our community center right it became where we build Mm -hmm. senses of connection and community it is also where we put our uh social capital against social capital and where we um feel sort of op- not obligated to, but a sense of responsibility. And so we spend so much of our physical and mental time there that it often for folks was the only place you might meet people, right? Like long were the days of like meeting someone at while like playing cards or, or bowling or at church or whatever. Like, it's just that you people spent so much time at work that that was kind of it (laughs) you know like if you and i and i work a lot with law firms and i come from management consulting as well like you see a lot of people pair up because especially those jobs where you are working 70 80 maybe some weeks 90 hours like that's insane right and so 
a 60 hour week is a light week for those folks. Um, and so when you're like that, like where else will you find companionship if not? <laughs> and so I, I think that's something broken about our society, but it is, or I'm not saying those relationships. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a natural, it's like, it's natural that it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying those relationships are bad, but I'm saying unfortunately because of our society of work devotion and late stage capitalism that is where we find love <laughs> um and that's certainly, other, that's certainly how i found love so <laughs> the other thing that i think is worth mentioning that i always talk about when i'm doing workshops with teams or i'm talking about these trends that i see inside of organizations is that we we ha we do. It is a community. And you're also learning about how to be a better human, usually at work. So I, I, I will say this until I'm blue in the face. One of the most interesting phenomenons I've ever seen is when I ask people when they learned how to have conversations, how to have confrontational conversations, how to like listen to one another, how to ask good questions, these human skills, we usually don't learn until we get to work. And there's a lot of vulnerability. There's a lot of intimacy in that in those moments when you're learning those life skills with other people in this environment. And also, if you have a workplace where people become better communicators, that's relationships right there. Yeah. Like I saw, I read, I read, I just finished reading this book on listening and the statistics of how many people actually know how to listen to one another are atrocious. Like there was one study that said that only 5% of people feel like the people that they work with actually listen to them. Wait, can you repeat that? No, I was saying, <laughs> stop. You're messing with me. <laughs> I'm just saying like, it's like you're okay. You're now in this workplace where people are actually learning how to ask questions and listen, which is the basis of intimacy, right? And like forming relationships and the outside world, a lot of people might not have those skills. And so it's like, if people are, are dating and they're having like a hard time forming connections, a lot of that comes down to the fact that people don't know how to listen and they don't know how to yeah. ask questions. Right. Yeah. So but if you're in a workplace where everyone knows how to do those things and they're learning together, of course, these natural relationships are going to happen. I don't know if any of that made no, sense. No, it, it makes sense. And I think, <laughs> no, no, no. And it reminded me of actually when I got an executive coach and the sort of stuff I worked through when I kept, um, I'm like, I know coaching is not therapy, but it felt very therapeutic. And I've, I know I've said that before. And what I realized was that... Um, we all have baggage and things we need to work through and holdups and stuff like that. And what I thought was really, at least for me, where I'm not saying it didn't come out in my one-on-one -on -one relationships, but where I felt it the most was in my professional relationships because there is a social contract, social norms. You can't just fly off the mm -hmm. handle at work. You can't just make a really snippy comment. You can't just get up and cry and storm out. Like you have to feel all the things you feel, react all the ways you react inside because of your feelings, your past, your trauma, your baggage, and yet have a professional exterior. And so that's when people really may have gone through all of life with this stuff inside of them, but when it's at the surface and they're like, oh my God, at work, but they can't get it out. And um, if you're lucky enough to either get a coach or an executive coach or therapy, you know, outside of work, 
that's when you realize like, oh, this is why my, these relationships, for example, at work are strained, right? Because we often separate that, like my personal life, my work life, but we bring it in there. And so for sure, and bringing it back to what you were saying is like your ability to have honest conversations will impact you outside of work and in work. And so regardless of where you learn it, it will serve you well, right? Definitely. And, and what I think happens though, is that people who work in these organizations who have good leadership development and leadership development at the end of the day is just human skills. It's, it's learning how to have good conversations, being really clear, uh, empathy, and all of the things that we need to be good humans, be good at being a human. So it's like you're in these organizations where people have these programs where they're learning how to do these human skills. Then they're almost living in this world where they're them inside that organization are like the only people they know that like know how to do those skills. And so like the more that you learn about leadership development and the more that you learn about like human behavior, the conversations you have with people who haven't gone through that learning kind of change a little bit. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just really different. Yeah. Your expectations change. Like, you know, you know what people are capable of and therefore like, you know, you, you can, when you have like, a bad interaction, you're like, womp, womp, you know, yeah. <laughs> or it's like, someone's like, I can't have this conversation. It's like, all right, why? <laughs> like, let's, you know, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. So, okay. So anyways, all right. I'm off my, I'm off. No, my no, no. That, I, I, um, t- tell me if I'm jumping too quickly, but I wanted to talk about the, the situation that Sam's in about, um, cause his chef specifically, was very up in arms, very upset, you know, really talking against this, this politician who was anti-refugees and, and didn't want to help them. And, and Sam at first was sort of, okay, don't get so upset. But then we see him get more involved. I, um, we heard, you know, during, um, especially at the start of lockdown during the pandemic, and there was, um, the, the BLM movement had been around, already but it really you know picked up over that summer of 2020 in the face of like very horrible murders of of black men and women here there's a point to this i remember during that summer companies um some companies really struggling to be like how do we talk about this stuff how do we talk about this the, the terrible things happening in the news the violence, the shooting, all this stuff, the politics, the the new laws that are being put in place. And then some companies were like, we're not talking about it at all. No one's allowed to talk about politics. No one's allowed to talk about their feelings. No one's allowed to talk about the news because we it's so awkward. We don't know how to handle it. Like, so I, I'm just curious, like during that time, and I don't have an answer, right? I, I mean, I think it's 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 really hard to do. But I, I do know that like shutting it down entirely is not for me is not right. And I was curious where you stand on that. I think, I mean, I think companies need to have a stand like yeah. the the world, the, the land of business is just businesses out the window. Like there's a difference between right and wrong. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's politicized. Right. So it like makes like someone feel alienated, which I actually don't love, yeah. but there, there is a difference between right or wrong. And that's, I mean, leadership is all about making hard decisions. And so, you know, like there, there's no, there's no 
boundary anymore. So you have to, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think that companies have to make a stand, especially when something horrendous happens. Yeah. About their values, what, what, what they yeah. will and will not tolerate. Yeah. I, I think so too. Um, I, I think just saying we're not going to talk about it or also like, well, we can't talk about, you know, cause I, I, at the time I was working for an extremely, I would say, beyond liberal, but very progressive organization on the whole. But I remember someone pulling me aside. It's like, you, well, we can't only talk about this because like there are Republicans here too. And I'm like, and like, so we can't have open discourse or like acknowledge the stuff that's happening. Like to your point, it's been politicized. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard too, because I remember, um, my colleagues, my black colleagues, my colleagues of color that when to expect them to go about business as usual, when something terrible would, when like there was a lot of Asian hate, like very targeted happening, like people feel that very deeply it's connected to their identity and their roots and how they were raised and how they are seen. And they can't help but say like, that could have been me or that could have been my mom or my dad or whatever. And so to be like, all right, 8 a.m. Zoom. See you on there. Like, it just felt so weird. And I understand, like, that summer, I mean, the world is a, a dumpster fire, but that managers were like, well, we can't have, like, a, you know, a kumbaya circle for every single thing that happens in the news. And I remember talking to people, and I'm like, yeah, but at least acknowledge that it's tense. At least acknowledge that if someone needs to, like, have their camera off that day. Also go, also go read a book. Right, like, but what book? I I'm saying like go go read books about like what like anti racism. Yeah. Go learn about the experience. Like, there's so yes. many. Like, I I get really. I don't like to say annoyed because I like to have grace. Like, there's no I'm I'm not in the business of changing minds. Right, like it like. It just, it just is what it is, kind of. <laughs> Anyways, that's a story for another yeah. day. But I'm just saying, I get frustrated sometimes when people are like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Or like, what does this mean? It's like, I don't need yeah, to yeah. be, yeah, yeah. I don't need to be your resource. Your, yeah. the, you know, your black friends don't need to be your resource. Oh, Go yeah. on TikTok. Go on yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Go read a book. Go learn, yeah. you know? And, and by going through that learning process, you're going to have better answers yeah. and it's okay to make a mistake. Once you know better, do better, but yeah. like, at least go educate yourself and don't be in this, like this, in this place of ambiguity where you're like, Oh, I don't know anything about anything. It's like, it, it's almost like you don't have information at your disposal. Yeah. Like go learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm a thousand percent in agreement with you. And that was a really big thing at the time. And it still continues like, well, I don't know what to say. And what if I offend someone? And it's like, you could stay put or you could take a step forward. You might mess up. Can you apologize for your mess ups? Are you doing your best? Are you learning from your mess ups? Great. But you have to move forward. You can't stay in this place of, I just don't want to talk about it because I don't know. And there's so much information out there, so much information out there that it is then it becomes a choice, a choice to remain clueless in this comfort space comfort zone or what have you, because it makes you, it makes you uncomfortable. That's what they're basically saying. And most people in power are like, oh, well, it makes me, they're not saying this, but they're expressing it in other ways. Like I'm uncomfortable. So we're just not going to do it. Even yeah. though everyone else 
is super uncomfortable, I'm going to prioritize my own comfort. And, and yeah, and t- there's so much information. Yeah. People just don't, yeah, they don't want to. Anyway, I, I was thinking about that, that, that whole thing about the Twitter and the tweeting really took me back to that time. I mean, we're still kind of, you know, there, but it, it was really like this big flashpoint that summer of 2020 and companies were sort of beside themselves trying to figure out how to, how to navigate it. But, um, actually like anecdotally, I don't know, um, what you all did, but one thing that we did at my organization, and then I, I actually replicated this for my friends, um, the chief of staff at the time of our organization had created this sort these conversations basically, and I think you're going to love this, listen to this podcast, read this article. Love it. <laughs> right. Here you already have me. <laughs> like, okay, okay. There was like an assignment, right? And, and it, 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 it was like read this article, watch this YouTube video, um, do like basically just assign them something. Right. And come kind of like a book club and come prepared to talk about it. And it was small group. So you had the, the thing that you watched, so you could kind of point to the article or the, or the video or whatever, um, and not, you know, speak in like generalities about, you know, race and all this stuff, but unpacking it similar to like a book club or how you interpreted it, it facilitated a conversation about race and like all those things in a way that felt more accessible and less scary. And so that was, um, I, I thought that was great. I, I mean, I don't know if it, <laughs> who it helped, you know, I think in some ways, once again, uh, there were a lot of people like, but I don't know what to do. But I, I think in some cases it was, um, it was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, but I also like on the other side of that, like, I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Like you can, but like, I, I think that there's so many more people that started and like opening their minds, changing their belief systems a little bit about the world that they live in. And yeah, nothing is perfect, but it, I don't, I, I just, I think that there was a little progress that was made and I think it's inspiring. Just like you see Sam, how he does make a stand, like he's starting to find his voice and he's starting to not be scared and, and yeah, something crazy happened because of it. And something horrendous happened because of it, but the, it, it's, it's still inspiring whenever that happens, whenever people start to find yeah. their voice and start to find their strength. Absolutely. Like being able to see something wrong and stand up, have like, you know, use your, pla- he used his platform and his privilege and didn't care about his reputation to say what was right, to stand up for what was right and point out what was wrong. And if more people can do that, knowing that it might hurt them, knowing that they might lose some fans, knowing that they might, that is what this means. Like you have to put a little bit of yourself at risk when you are calling out what's wrong, right? And um, you it requires the people who have a platform, a voice, uh, reach, privilege, etc., in all various forms to do that. And um, yeah, and Sam did it. And but you know what ends up happening to a really beautiful moment in just general TV is that the team comes and helps him clean up. And oh, so beautiful. And we find out that the restaurant is named after his dad, Ola. 
Oh, and that scene at the end where they're just dancing in the kitchen and it's, he, you know, Sam wanted to do all this just to make his dad proud. And he didn't realize that that situation and all of its messiness and all of its pain actually made his dad prouder of him. Oh, yeah. it's just so beautiful. Yeah, yeah the dad awesome. just like blown That's away sweet. that he's made such deep relationships that they would come and help him like this. And I, um, in season one and two, I always thought that Sam was like, had a weird relationship with his dad, like wanting to please him all the time. And I do think that's there. But this episode made me sort of change my mind about, I think some of that pressure comes from Sam himself. I always just assumed it was his dad putting a ton of pressure on him. Um, And maybe, maybe, right, has high expectations, you know, expects him to be a good human. But this one was like, just the man was so loving and supportive and said all the right things. And it was clear that he was proud of his son, no matter what. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We got to, we got it for our girl. We got to talk about the final thing in this. We got to talk about the strings that bind us because also this is where um, one of your favorite lines, hush your butt, hush your butt, hush your butt, you hush your butt, you hush your butt is used heavily, heavily in this uh in this episode, uh, episode. Well, I think from the, I think that there, okay. So from a workplace perspective, we do get something that has meat to it here of whenever you actually do need to bring, you need, you need the team to go through something uncomfortable, but nobody wants to do it. And so that's what Ted's doing. He says, I know I'm going to make everyone uncomfortable here, but I'm going to push them through it. So his way of saying hush your butt is whenever he hears everyone start negating his idea. He's like, nope, this is, this is one situation where I'm going to put my foot down. I'm not going to get consensus and we're going to move forward. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's like, just give it a try. Give it a try. Now we find out that Roy was the one that came up with the, the actual idea of tying the strings, (laughs) but, um, well, what happens in the show is that they go and they learn total football and then they, they do not get it right. And so now they have to like really go back to the drawing board. So Ted makes this decision and he says, we're going to, we're going to do this. So we're going to do it sooner than you think you're capable and it doesn't work. And then, then they say, okay, let's try a different approach. And so Roy has the idea to, what does, yeah. what, what does Roy do for Judith? Takes a red string, look like red yarn and has each player tie the end of it to their penis and um so the yard is only so long and what they're trying to say is like you need to always be you can't be too far away because they they were practicing something so in this drill they were paired up with someone it's like the person you're paired up with you can't be that far away from and guess what if you do get too far away this string's gonna yank on your you know what um but you know we probably wouldn't have done that but the this this thing with total football and the way they talked about it was really interesting too in that everyone you know especially with Isaac like listen you're you know you've been put in a box your whole life you know what's to say you can't do other things on this field that you're not capable of I saw it as like just you know you can learn new things you can be adaptable you can be agile you know all these buzzwords that we love um And you don't have to fit a box all the time. Like you actually have skills that are portable to other things. Your biggest asset is going to be like saying, what does the situation need? And if you can respond to what the situation needs, 
great, right? Instead of being like, well, this is what I do. And I only do it when it makes sense for this situation, right? Um, so in that sense, I thought that that parallel to work and being nimble and, you know, because the world changes so quickly that if teams and individuals don't have the ability to adapt and, and be able to answer what does the situation need, that they're going to become dinosaurs, right? Yeah, they're totally going to become dinosaurs. And what I would say to that too is what in, in the companies that I've worked with, I've seen and I've read about this as well. Like I've seen these situations where companies are like, okay, we're going agile. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, you are. And it never works because it's really hard to move away from hierarchy and it's yeah. a social construct. And so agile fails a lot of the time because people forget to realize that. And also what we see in Ted Lasso is the reason why Ted is able to have this hush your butt moment. And he's able to get the team to move to a more agile way of playing this game is because of all the work that he has done in building psychological safety and, and building safe, building trust with him as the yeah. leader. He's done all that work in the front end so that they're able to make this move in a faster, more seamless way. If he would have just like got there on day one and been like, all right, everyone, let's tie some rope around your wieners. Like it wouldn't have worked because he hadn't done the work yet. And I think that that's what a lot of <laughs> How do you know your team trusts you? First day, first day. Let's bring out the string. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You gotta earn trust before you're asking people to tie, you know, strings to their wieners. It's you really before the string to wiener ratio. You have to put. In, there's a an algorithm here. Yeah, you have to show sort of the equivalent of the vulnerability. The team needs to know that you are willing to have your wiener. Hold. <laughs> Can't wait till Pam hears this one. Um, but yeah, like it, it, you can't, like you have to put in the work, you have to have the safety before, the, and you have to understand, like. Ted knows all those people as human beings. It's not like I always like to use the analogy of sometimes we want to look at organizations like an engine or like a chessboard instead of looking at it like a garden, yeah. that you are the gardener and you're responsible for nurturing the soil and figuring out like where the sun needs to go to certain plants and moving plants if that position doesn't work. Like you are responsible for the environment. It's not a chessboard, but yeah. like organizations, it's just really hard for them to understand that concept for sure um okay oh um speaking of humans and knowing humans before we wrap up um we you know what's in it we really don't talk about nate anymore last season god we really yeah. went on nate but here we see um nate's starting to turn a corner right he goes to his family dinner for his sister's birthday he finds out that his dad who's so hard on nate how he won over his mother was he made like this like um, personalized map to ask her out on a date. And that reminded Nate that like, well, I make these like silly, you know, crafty shoe boxes, you know? <laughs> and so he decides that that's how he's going to ask Jade out on a date, Jade from Taste of Athens. Um, as he's walking across the street with the box, he trips, falls, the box gets run over. He goes, or, or, or what well, actually, sorry, I'm like me messing it up, but the point is he ends up asking Jade out. But one thing that we saw sort of prior to this is that when he tried to ask Jade out and he chickened out, he went to the bathroom 
Do you remember? And we thought he was going to do the spit in the mirror thing. And he doesn't. So I think he realized, and that's when it like dawned on him to do the box. So I think he's sort of, I think this is, we're supposed to take away from this that like, he's getting a little bit more comfortable being authentically himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, and it's not actually even going to, it, it feels like it's not even going to be that big of a storyline. It's like, all right, get over, stop this, Nate. Yeah. Like you're starting to realize why how Ted did the way that the things that he did and you're starting to get back to yourself and who yourself is. And I actually love Jade's character and I love him and Jade together because she's just, she's such a bad bitch. Like she's just like, no, this just is what it is. And yeah, yeah like I'm, I'm happy that Nate's yeah. getting back to himself. But I do think you're right that he's slowly seeing like, Oh, all the things that really maybe annoyed me about Ted or that I deemed as a weakness were really his strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even there's a scene where his diamond dogs don't work. Yeah, like, that's the next episode, right? Is that the Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll talk about that here soon. I think so. Anyway, yes, it's the next one. So um thank you everybody. This was a little rambly, but we just got back from summer break. So <laughs> thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we want to keep the conversation going. Share your leadership stories with us, whether they're dreams come true or some nightmares you want to talk through. You can visit us at poponleadership.com or over at Instagram at poponleadership. And a very special thanks to our friends and family who have supported us from the beginning and to Pam Rodriguez, who helped make this crazy dream a reality. Thank you. See you next time. Thanks everybody who stuck around till the end as promised we're here with uh, my dear friend and colleague and confidant and everything accomplice jen casimiro um jen thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me um i invited you on because i think you you have always been a source of wisdom for me and i think you have a really uh wonderful background but also a very um you know background that that can speak to this topic. You want to share a little bit about what you do and how you got into it? Yeah. Well, thanks, Virginia. I mean, I feel the same about you in so many ways. Um, so my name is Jen. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I introduce myself and tell folks in terms of my vehicle for change and how I move and shake in this world is that I am a systems designer with an expertise in equity. And so I have like my whole adult life have really focused in on social justice and what does that look like and I currently work in institutions around how we bring equity to the forefront in service of creating a more just society via whatever kind of work that I, I happen to be doing at that time. Yeah and just for folks that out there that are still either um, that are deep into organizational development and know what all this means or are a little unfamiliar with systems designer is that when you think about, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion, it is not something that can just like live with someone who has that title or a department, right? It is like, I try to tr explain it to people like you can't call yourself an agile organization if you're not every team is practicing 
agile methodology, right? So if if not everyone is bringing right. a DEI lens to their work, which often means reviewing the processes they have, the tools, their decision-making process, their systems, as you talk about, right? Designing those systems. It, it's hard to say that it's important to you, that it's a priority if you're actually not, to Jen's point, looking at the systems within your organization. Um, right. One of the things you do, and I, I don't know if you enjoy it or not, but um, we talked about this in, in this in this episode. We we alluded to it, and which is why we invited you. Is that um, unfortunately there are things that happen in the world that kind of cannot be ignored, right? There are current events that should be acknowledged, and I know that this is often a very difficult thing. That whether you are a team leader or a leader at an organization. A lot of folks are like, I'm not quite sure what to do, if it's right to say anything, and right. what what to say, right, in those moments. Yeah. Um, so without kind of addressing any one specific moment um, in time, I'd love for you to speak a little bit about that. Like, what advice do you give team leaders? Yeah. Before I go into the advice, I just want to kind of double click on what you said, because I think as the workforce grows and changes and shifts with even just the four generations that we have in the workforce now, there are different expectations now that people have around how society does impact the workforce. And so to not say anything when these moments come up, when these societal traumas come up is inherently kind of excluding or making feel, making your employees and a population of your employees not feel like the organization is supporting them. And so I think to not say anything in service of trying to be safe can risk how people feel safety in your organization or on your team. And so when these moments come up, the there's a few things that I tell folks, keep these things in mind as you are responding to these moments, as you are showing up in your humanity, first and foremost, with folks that you are leading or folks that you are on a team with. And so I think first and foremost is being authentic and genuine in the communication and naming things that you can actually follow up on or can commit to. So I think sometimes organizations might mimic or mirror another organization's statement or what they say. But the, the statement or what you say and how you communicate with your community does need to be bespoke to your community. Um, some other things to think about is don't further marginalize any uh, or other another group in your communications. And it's important to note this because sometimes as leaders of organizations, as leaders of teams, we have a tendency to project our personal understanding of a moment uh, rather than working through our personal stuff to then understand as a leader of a team, as a leader of an organization, how do I need to show up in this moment? And those two things can, can be the same thing, but they can also be very different things depending on what the kind of societal traumatic moment that happened. It may be something where your identity is largely in alignment with the the folks that were caused harm to in that societal trauma 
it may be that your identity might be more aligned to or similar to the folks that cause the harm and that societal trauma. And it's important as a leader to first and foremost work through what are your personal reactions to the moment so that in your communication, you are not projecting personally what's happening, but also thinking about who are you communicating to and how is it going to impact the people that you are leading. The other thing to think about in communications is acknowledging differential impacts. So there might be something that happens in society and we know that it impacts everyone and how we all show up, but it might differentially impact or more severely impact, let's say people of the global majority. It might um, differentially and more severely impact LBGTQAI plus folks. And so recognizing that whatever societal trauma that you're trying to communicate with the organization or with the team and that it centers the, Im- the, the impacted folks, it centers the impacted communities mm-hmm. rather than centering kind of everyone, you do a disservice to the folks who are most deeply impacted Mm -hmm. and therefore are most looking for signs of this place is safe. This place cares about me. This reminds me a little bit. I just had a flashback thinking about, you know, back to 2016 when Trump was elected and a lot of people, me included, were really upset um, and scared. Right. And I, I also realized that I have privilege that other people don't. And what I kept hearing and no surprise from white middle-aged men, <laughs> let's just name it, was that, oh, don't worry. It's not going to change that much or don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. It takes a long time to undo laws and kind of this like playing down of the situation. And it made, I would like to think that it was well-intentioned to like soothe me or but I it was worse you know it's like when someone says calm down and you're like don't tell me to calm down but (laughs) but I I I remember being this conversation where someone's like but it's not about you it's like it's about all the people that are going to be so impacted it's the LGBTQ community it's women's rights it's all it's it's you know what Trump was saying about the wall or deportation it's like you have to think beyond yourself in a moment and even if you're trying to make people quote-unquote feel better I think what I'm hearing you say is don't forget about who's going to be most impacted. Right. Right. And don't equate to your personal feelings about this because oftentimes when people are looking to make people feel better or console them, they're doing it in a way that is centering their identity Mm -hmm. of how they would want to be consoled. And so I think in these types of communications, you do have to do the work as an individual first around like, okay, how, how are my feelings about this? And then, okay, now, now that I've processed that, I do need to put on this hat of like, I need to show up as a leader, as a team member, as a leader of an organization. And, you know, you bring up a good point around in these moments. And even if you're trying to make folks feel better, yes, be authentic and be genuine, but also be very intentional about not gaslighting someone's feelings. Be intentional, not gaslighting. So I think there's like an initial comms, but, you know, sometimes it's really important to have those one-on-ones, especially in a team setting and making sure that you're validating folks' experiences, that you're validating their feelings and that you're creating spaces for folks to actually take care of themselves as well, especially in these moments. I think the other piece that you're bringing up for me that I think is an important thing to think about when you're communicating around these types of societal traumas is that 
you need to own the harms or in unintended impact, negative impacts that you may have done. M- meaning in decisions the organization has made, or let's say you send out a, a an email that doesn't land the way you wanted, or both. <laughs> um, I, I mean both, but I, I'm... I guess that what I was saying is more about the latter. So you might say something or in a one-on-one conversation, you may accidentally, right, um, invalidate someone's experience. And it's important in those moments not to kind of create space and walk away from that, but to completely own up to like, I made a mistake. Um, I own that harm and I apologize because We are also, what makes, I think, these kinds of conversations hard for people is that we're humans and the things that are happening to humanity, it's happening to people, right? And so it makes, and we are so fearful of hurting other people, especially other people that we care about, um, that it may prevent us from actually taking action towards things that are in service of the person rather than in service of ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so I think- it's constantly going back to like, what's going to be best in service of the people most impacted and the people that I'm trying to serve as a leader. And so as a leader, again, working through what's coming up for you when you do make a mistake, how do you process that individually around like, I made a mistake, I feel bad, I feel all of these other things, but go back to, okay, who I need to center right now is my team and the most, the folks who are most impacted on the team. And so moving in service of that, I find, and having that framing and going back to that often results in trust and vulnerability. You have to have vulnerability in this with, with your team members and your employees. Yeah. This is all super helpful. I feel like I, you know, I told you this would be a short conversation yet. I have like five different questions I want to ask you about like, but what about capitalism? But we're not, that's for another episode. We will, um, we will invite Jen back because she's, like I said, a wealth of wisdom. Um, that was super helpful. And I think what I, my takeaways are, uh, it's better to say something than not say something. Right. It's, or acknowledge, right. It's acknowledge that something's happening versus pretend that it's not. Um, acknowledge that people, you don't, you might not know how they're feeling, but acknowledge that they must be feeling something. Um, and if you say the wrong thing, and someone comes back, be like, I can't believe, like, own it. Don't get defensive. Because to your point, I think what holds people back is like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And then they say nothing. But I I think as long as we're sort of, you know, when you, when you know better, you do better. Right. But that doesn't happen unless you, you take a step forward. Right. I think you got to. Unless you do. Unless you right. do. Unless you do. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's important. All right, Jen. Well, thank you so much. Can we have you back sometime? Yes, please. Anytime. Okay. Okay. But confess, have you even watched Ted Lasso? No. Okay. No, I will Is watch Ted Lasso. <laughs> no, you don't have to do it for me. But I actually, this is a good question. If there was a TV show that you would like us to talk about where you're like, gosh, this is really great, or this is terrible leadership or team dynamics. I'll, I'll have to think about that and also think back to when I watched adult TV. Well, that sounds like risque when you say adult TV. I, okay. Well, what Jen means. I have a three-year-old. She has a three-year-old. <laughs> she means TV made for grownups. Yes. Yeah. 
on that note, everybody, thank you so much for sticking around. We love our friend Jen. We'll have her back and we hope this was helpful. Thanks.